0: Time for another edition of the Blue-White Breakdown here on Penn Live. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. This should be much smoother than our Saturday night effort when we were barreling through the heart of darkness in State College to try and give you an update on Penn State's loss to Ohio State. I feel much more secure, calmer. It's nice out, Greg. I know you got Lola the Golden Retriever somewhere in the vicinity of your room, but Let's get to, let's get right to it. Uh, great to talk to everyone, Greg. Um, had a chance a couple minutes ago to meet with James Franklin on a Zoom call. He talked a little bit about Ohio State, but he mostly talked about, you know, Maryland and what they need to do to kind of get out of this 0-2 hole. I'll just start with this for you, Greg. I'm still not quite sure. I'm still not quite sure what the status or why we haven't seen Cam Sullivan Brown uh, what was your what was your take on James's response to the wide out group, but specifically you no know, Cam Sullivan Brown?
1: Yeah, you know, he came out and said that he's been dealing with some things, Bob. That's why he did not play in either the Indiana or the Ohio State game. He's warmed up for both, though. So there has to be he has to be somewhere between, you know, 50 percent, 100 percent. I would assume otherwise I don't even think he would warm up. James basically saying that, you know, they don't think he's at the level that he can be at right now. And so that's why they have not played him. I mean, it's not like he's been a super high impact guy before. So I don't know how much they're missing without him on the field, but it would be another option for Sean Clifford and this offense. So, yeah, the takeaway there, Bob, was that he might be getting close. Kind of the same thing with Keaton Ellis, where they said he was not available, but he's been dressed as far as I can tell. Right. I know at one point on Saturday, you saw him without his helmet, but he was on the sideline. So, I don't know what's going on there. We'll have to wait and see what the word is. But uh, Penn State could definitely use Keaton Ellis to be back in the lineup, and it couldn't hurt that Cam Sullivan Brown available either.
0: Yeah. uh, We don't really have any new information, uh, Greg, on Journey Brown, other than the fact. Uh, he was also on the field before the Ohio State game, but not in uniform. Um, you know, it's hard. He, he, he certainly looked like he's in good spirits. He, I, when, when I had the binoculars on, him, and he was kind of laughing and joking, I think, with some of his teammates. I take that as good news. Um, I don't know when he will return to the field or if he will return to the field. It's a shorter season. They got six regular season games left, starting with Maryland. Um, but don't you think, Greg, you mentioned Keaton Ellis. That's another, uh, that's another, a little bit of a mystery. Cause I certainly thought we'd see him a lot this year. Um, it sure seems like James knows, you know, even though there's six games left, they have some young players that they like and they're going to probably, they might as well start to really fast track their development because they're at positions where you can kind of play early. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, the two wideouts and the two running backs, so Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington, and then Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes. Uh, you know, the question though, Greg, is what can they contribute uh, to the team the rest of the way? Because there's more to there's more to just get there's more to getting on the field than just being a good athlete. Um, but do you think that should should the fans expect to see more of those guys? I think you're definitely going to continue to see more of. Parker Washington for sure. I'm not sure about the other three guys, but if there's no Journey Brown and there's no Noah Kane, right, their options are either they, they lean on Devin Ford and they continue to give Sean Clifford 15 carries a game, or you turn to those running backs. And I thought especially Kivon did some good things when he had a chance against Indiana.
1: Yeah, I thought so, too. I was really surprised not to see either one of those guys for an extended period of the game, Bob. Penn State just went away from the run game. I don't know if it was because they felt like they were getting pushed around a scrimmage, which they were. I don't know if they just felt like Devin Ford was not going to have a game worthy of that many carries. But James Franklin said it was a part of their game plan to run Sean Clifford as much as they did. That was confusing to me. I don't understand why running your guy against a fast physical defense would be a good idea. I'm not sure what they hope to accomplish there. I wish he would have been asked whether a lot of those runs were called or whether they were designed or whether Sean Clifford just bailed too early. Because I think sometimes it looks like he does his first instinct is not to sit and let something open up downfield. It's just to run. And the more he takes those hits, the more banged up he's going to be. And the worse that will make him as a quarterback. We saw it last year. So um, it gets a long way of saying, I think we should see more of Kavon Lee and Keziah Holmes. You know, they like to try and that up that inside zone thing. I don't know if Ford's necessarily suited for that, but I think Lee probably is. So I would like to see more of him. That would be good. And then as it relates to Lambert Smith, you know, I think they like what he can do, but I thought it was interesting that James had mentioned that they need him to kind of settle down a little bit, focus on moving on to the next play, not dwelling on good things or bad things for an extended period of time. So I think depending on how quickly he harnesses those feelings, uh, that will determine how much run he gets.
0: OK, let's now let's just just target the, this week's game. They're 0-2. I think James Franklin at one point was asked about an 0-2 start and he talked about leaders, but he also said, I think as a coach, uh, this to be 0-2 like this and the way that they've lost, it's, it's, it's even kind of new to him. He's been coaching a long time. Greg, every year is different, but Penn State has absolutely handled, I think, Maryland the last few years. Um, but is this a different year? This is a Maryland team that scored a lot of points against Minnesota. So wh- where do you think where do you think Penn State is right now with regard to this opponent? And the defense has given up a lot of points the last four, five quarters, and obviously in overtime.
1: Yeah, I can't quite put my finger on why Penn State the 25 and a half point favorite. Um I just think that's insane. I don't know if they're going to be able to score. I mean, Maryland's defense is terrible. They should be able to score, but the offense has not been consistent enough. Uh, really to make me feel great about them scoring 40 or 45 points. And I think they're going to give some up to Maryland. I really do. Uh, to his little brother look much, looked much improved against uh, Minnesota compared to what we saw from him at Northwestern in his first start. So I think that they are at this point in a much better place uh, three weeks into the season than Penn State is. And maybe that's crazy and maybe I just put too much stock into the Maryland game against Minnesota, but they look like a team that can move the ball. Penn State State's defense is very good on first and second down, and then it struggles on third down. It does all the hard work to set up third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, and then it was giving up pass plays left and right on third and long to Justin Fields. Now, two his little brothers, not Justin Fields, but we saw when Maryland had guys open, he was able to complete passes against the Gophers, and Unless something changes drastically, they're going to have guys open against Penn State because Penn State's pass defense just hasn't shown enough to me through the first two weeks, even though they held Indiana to so few yards. I just don't feel like it's shown enough to think you can be fully confident that they've fixed the issues that lead to big plays and explosive plays like we saw a year ago. So I I think that Penn State – and the other thing, too, I think there's probably a – I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there could be a motivational problem too. You know, this team is expecting to do big things this year. It's lost a lot of players and it started all 2 and 0 for the first time since 2012. And I just wonder if there's some motivational issues going on too.
0: Um, let's just take one. Uh, usually on Tuesdays, we don't really talk too much about, uh, you know, predictions, if at all. But Greg, it, doesn't it seem like the, the weather in State College, unless the unless the the advanced forecast changes, it should be a pretty nice day in State College uh, this Saturday at three thirty when when they kick off. It was actually pretty nice. I thought uh, for the Ohio State game, I thought it was a nice nice crisp fall night. But my point is, given how much Penn State has been able to score on Maryland traditionally, like going back the last couple of years. Um, If Maryland could score at all, and they didn't score last year against Penn State, they lost 59 nothing on that Friday night game. But as a bet, maybe as a betting tip to the Penn State fans, doesn't over 60 seem like a pretty smart bet? Yes. Yeah.
1: That was the first thing I thought too. Penn State, uh, you know, Maryland getting 25 points seems like a lot, and that over looks like cake. I could see both of these teams in the high 30s. I really could, Uh, especially if Penn State and Kirk Chiraca do a little bit better of a job in the run game, which will open up things in the passing game. So, yeah, I do think, Bob, that – this is an over game this is a game where both teams score a lot I don't know how competitive it'll be but I think that there is a chance for Penn State to put up some points here fix what has ailed it so far on offense and build on uh, what was a pretty big game for Jahan Dotson but they got to get the run game going first and foremost that's the uh, you know that is job number one is to get the running game going and then from there you hope things open up in the pass game so uh, you know another thing is and I asked the question poorly if I wish I could have do-over but uh you know is Penn State going to be more aggressive in the special teams game I don't really understand you know he's said now a couple of times about oh they went forward on fourth and two because they wanted to be aggressive and yada 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 and that's fine but then why fair catch almost every single kick I, I didn't understand that but I'll be curious to see if they try and get that going against Maryland as well
0: yeah so before we turn to maybe some defensive woes that Penn State has had and well, we talked a little bit about it but Greg I think we're almost halfway through the blue-white breakdown. It's a pleasure as always to chat with you. Uh, we'll have good stuff all week, but in case you know, we got we got some mailbags for our uh, going for our, our listeners and our viewers and our subscribers, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, really happy with that feedback, but in terms of what we can get better at and where you can find a blue-white breakdown, which is really every day, um, you know, and we're doing it some with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Some with you and I, some with Dave Jones and I, hopefully, um, but w- where can, uh, where can the audience, uh, find us and how can they access us quickly?
1: Yeah. So it's the blue white breakdown podcast. You're right, Bob. There's three extended episodes a week and then one, uh, update per day from Dustin Hawkinsmith. You can find the blue white breakdown from Penn live, wherever you get your audio, Google stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcast, it's all there. And then the video version is of course, uh, available at youtube.com slash all Penn state.
0: Okay, so we teased it, but Greg, I just, you know, the defensive play, I just, I just felt uh, against Ohio State, I felt like the linebackers were going to be in a little bit of trouble. They were going to have to lean on some young linebackers. They didn't have Jesse Laquetta for a half. And, you know, Ohio State's just got a big offensive line. They got speed to burn at every position. I thought it would be a pretty rough go for the linebackers. And it turned out that it was, but I did, I thought Penn State, I didn't think Penn State would get manhandled at the line of scrimmage I thought their defensive ends could maybe make some plays and I thought even inside um Shelton and Mustafa could could do a little bit more but Greg you, there there were times when when uh Ohio State and and uh the T he he got pretty easy access you know to the into the secondary on a lot of his runs you know it was you know it they did get him uh you know off schedule a little bit from time to time but too often it was second and four second and three for Ohio State especially early in the game with that offensive line and your read on what you what you think is going on with the Penn State uh, defensive line is Ohio State just that good or does Penn State need to get a lot better up front?
1: Yeah, I think that we've seen this Penn State defense have success before the defensive line under, uh, you know, Larry Johnson, Scott Spencer, uh, Sean Spencer, and now Scott, John Scott Jr. Um, Boy, that was a struggle. Um, You know, we've seen them have success. But you know, the one thing is, while they tend to pile up the sacks, they never seem to come in a big moment. I think that's probably the most irritating thing for Penn State fans at this point is that they were close on a couple of them. Maybe Shaka Tony was held late in that game. I don't know. But um, they have haven't gotten home and finished a job in the first two weeks of the season, and they right. need to do more of that. You know, there was a lot of talk about this being Shaka Tony's big year, right? and Adisa Isaac were breakout picks of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're just not seeing enough of them at scrimmage. Um, and you know, I think Shelton mustafer are probably playing better than the stat sheet indicates, Bob, but I don't know how much better. Uh, it's not really clear at times what they're doing well, but I think they're probably doing more uh, more good stuff than what the stat sheet would indicate. So I think they're close, but yeah, they need to make more plays. There's no question about that. Um, this is a group that again, much like the special teams, Penn State hinged a lot of its hopes on, being able to uh, have a pass rush. It was one of the best in the Big Tens, and so far it's not. And they just don't have one guy on defense right now, outside of Joey Porter Jr., right. who I think you look at and say, we need a playmate here. That's the guy that's going to make it. Um, and the offense is a little bit the same way. So, you know, when you look at all the reasons they're 0-2, I just think a lot of it comes down to they haven't found their guy yet that they can rely on on both sides of the ball. Maybe Dotson's at now, maybe Joey Porter Jr.'s at now, but they need more of those guys, especially on defense.
0: Okay, uh, I I think that, you know, when we were in the press box for the Ohio State game, whether we're getting some messages from the fans or we're seeing stuff on Twitter about Penn State's effort in that game, and maybe even the Indiana game, uh, it just seems to me, Greg, that a lot of people, and maybe it's a small sample size, maybe it's just the people that we're uh, connecting with, it, it doesn't appear to me that a lot of people are crazy about the way that this offense has started. And if you're going to point some fingers, I think Kirk Scirocco, right or wrong, uh, that name's come up a lot, at least to me. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on maybe uh, the job that he's done through two games? And how do you kind of evaluate him, given the fact that, yes, it's it's been the same playing field for every college team, but a new offensive coordinator, no spring practice, really, it does not, I don't know how much work they got done either in summer or in the camp lead up to the start of this season they lose KJ Hamler uh the two their top two running backs uh just aren't going to be able to make an impact so how do you look at maybe what Kirk Chiraco's job uh how do you how do you think it's going and is it fair maybe to wonder about this uh perceived slow start
1: yeah i mean i think that we've seen his offense it really revs itself up based off the run game you know yeah. but if Penn State beats Indiana, Bob, I think we're probably talking about this offense in a slightly different light, but there's no question that it was ugly against Ohio State. And I mean, I think you can say the offense is off to a slow start, but Sean Clifford's off to a slow start, too. I think those two things go hand in hand. So, you know, you can blame Kirk Shiraka, you can blame the play calling, but not like, not, you know, they're down two starting running backs. Uh, the third string guy, Devin Ford, he's good, but he was the third string guy for a reason. I don't think you can forget that either. Um, and, you know, I, the quarterback's been a little bit slow to start and the offensive line's not playing as well as everyone hoped it would. So I don't know what they're, I, I don't think there's any big secret here. They're not playing it, at key positions as well as we thought they would. And because of that, they're struggling to uh, put enough points up to win. And, you know, you combine that with a couple mistakes, a couple penalties here and there and. I don't think it's time to uh sound the alarm about Kirk Shiraka and this offense. I think they have a long way to go. And I do think that uh this group will be better with time, but they need better play under center. And once they get that, I think the running game can start to come together and everything else can too.
0: Yeah. I think you make a lot of good points about Kirk Shiraka. Um, but I, I just I, I just my sense is now that they're owing to, you know, nothing short of couple of blowout victories the next couple weeks against Maryland and I think they have Nebraska after that are gonna are gonna ease is going to ease a little bit of the pain of the Penn State fan base this was supposed to be a team that was top 10 in terms of talent Micah Parsons opts out you get some injuries you open up against an Indiana team by the way they're 2-0 and now after uh, they won in week two I think against Rutgers Ohio State's obviously Ohio State. I don't know who's beaten Ohio State this year. I could be wrong about that. But Justin Fields is pretty incredible. Uh, Greg, what is the best case, you think, for Penn State moving forward? Is it they got her on the table, finish 6-2, and two, find a way to win at Michigan? Which doesn't look that hard. Michigan State can do it. But it's been a big problem for Penn State. If they go, if they could go 6-2 and two and win at Michigan, do you think that would change the way a lot of people look maybe at this season?
1: Yeah, I there's no question, but I'm not sure how anyone could feel confident right now that a yep. win at the big house is coming. You know, Michigan looks terrible too, so who knows? Um, it's just been such a house of horrors out there for Penn State, even without fans. That I don't know. I, I think five and three, six and two obviously is the best case scenario at this point, but there's a lot that needs to be better for this team. Yeah, if that's gonna happen. And frankly, it starts with James Franklin. I mean, James Franklin on game day so far has just looked a little bit out of sync. I don't know if it's the new coaches. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, being away from his family and that wearing on him. I don't, I'm not sure what, but he has to be better in terms of game management. And I think once he's better and confident, everything like that, the team will be better. It flows downhill, but they have a lot to fix. There's no question. I mean, again, they can't, you're not going to win too many games where you have negative rushing yards in the second half. Ohio State, of course, was not an exception to that rule. Um, They were able to put some points up, but it was after Ohio State obviously had been able to put the game in a really good place. So to me, Bob, I just think five and three is probably where I'm at with this guy this group at this point, they've lost two already. I don't think that's the only two games they're going to lose unless a lot of guys take a big step forward over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, by the by, time the Nebraska game ends out there, I think we'll know a lot more about where this season's going to go. That'll be the halfway point. And, um, you know, whatever they, whoever they are and whatever they are at that point is probably what they're going to end up being.
0: And just real quick, I want to ask you this. I didn't get a chance to see the Maryland-Minnesota game. I know that you were able to take in a good chunk of that. Um, how dangerous do you think this Maryland offense could possibly be for Penn State. And it's, you know, on a scale of one to 10, Greg, without giving away a final score, on a scale of one to 10, um, given the fact that Penn State opened as a 25-point favorite, what are the upset chances you think for 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 Penn State? Because they maybe morale's not great. They start a little slow. There's a little doubt maybe creeping in. They don't have all the good players. And, you know, Maryland's coming off of a, a, a tremendous effort on offense. Maybe they got some belief in the quarterback. Uh, you know, to his little brother who was the co-player of the week along with Justin Fields. Is there a case to be made that maybe Penn State could be in trouble Saturday?
1: I don't think so. I mean, Minnesota is terrible. Um, you know, they're just not any good. I don't know how else to put it. Um sure. Their defense is awful, Uh, but Penn state, you know, is Penn state in an upset spot? I doubt it. Um, Do I think they're going to cover? No, Um, I don't think they're going to win by 25 points. Um, Three touchdowns would even surprise me, but I do think they win the game. Maryland obviously has had a number of guys opt out. They're terrible along the lines Um, to his brother made some incredible plays, but a lot of it was long down in distance. And I don't know how much of that is doable again this year or this week. So, Um, You know, as we look ahead to an early prediction, Bob, I think Penn State wins. I don't think it's a blowout. I would put the odds of an upset very low. Certainly anything's possible in the 2020 year, um, but I don't see that in the cards this week.
0: Okay, let's wrap up this blue-white breakdown with one. I want to get one final take from you on two players and whether or not you think they will continue to play at at, at this level, which is a good level, or maybe there'll be some – there'll be some bumps in the road. There's six regular season games left, plus a bowl game, assuming everyone's in good health and assuming uh, the Big Ten will continue to play. Hopefully they will. So for me, I just want to get your thoughts real quick because I have them as well. So Joey Porter on defense and Jahan Dotson on offense. Jahan's put up some really big numbers through two games. Uh, he he, He did some work against a very good corner in Ohio State. I think he's got 12 catches and four touchdowns already. Joey Porter, uh, even even though, you know, there were some times, I think, when he gave up – I think he gave up a touchdown to Alave early in that game. I just like what I've seen from him. Your thought on those two players and what, what Penn State fans can expect from those two, uh, you know, not only Saturday against Maryland, but just, you know, the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with Porter Jr., you saw that he was a guy who, when he was out of the game – uh Ohio State goes after Marquise Wilson, who I think Dave described as a good, not great corner. And that's how I would describe him at this point of his career, too. And Joey Porter Jr., um, you know, came back in and was doing a pretty nice job in the lobby and from there. So, uh, you know, you're going to need to see a lot of him. And they need Keaton Ellis back. They need somebody. And you like, Daquan Hardy's looked OK. but And Joey Porter Jr. is obviously a lockdown guy. But they need somebody else to be able to go get interceptions and cover guys on third down. Uh, James Franklin basically said that Lamont Wade's going to continue in that star corner slot corner role, but I think that once Keaton Ellis comes back he's going to get the majority of the snaps there so keep an eye out on that, and then with Jahan Dotson um, very good start to the year for him Four touchdowns already he's not the biggest guy but um, he's also not taking a ton of big hits so moving forward I think what he's doing is absolutely sustainable Bob.
0: Wow. I mean, that's that's not a bold prediction, but that's, a I mean, <laughs> sustainable means he's going to end the year with about 16 touchdown catches if my math's right. He just does, to me, Jahan does everything well. You know, he might not run 4-4. He might not be 6-2, but, you know, he doesn't drop the ball. He always seems to get open. He averaged 18 yards of catch last year. Every time they throw the ball to Jahan, good things usually happen, and I think his confidence will only grow after being able – you know, to do some damage against a player like Sean Wade. I say good for him. Just one other note on Joey Porter. I've been a fan of his because I, I know how much Terry Smith really liked him in the offseason. I loved his hustle play on that first play. Uh, you saw his speed. Yes, they gave up 60 yards, but I thought that guy was gone for a touchdown. Joey ran him down. Also, I was – uh You know, I I think from Penn State's perspective and the fans perspective, Greg, I thought he might have really hurt his leg there when he left the game limping. Uh, We saw him kind of trying to shake it off, running back and forth on the sideline. He was able to re-enter the game. I was glad to see that. He's a young player that the more experience he gets, the better he'll get. I think he's got a big future at Penn State. I look forward to seeing him play man-to-man coverage. You don't usually see that a a lot at Penn State, a really, really, really good man-to-man coverage player. I think they got one. I'm anxious to see him. I think Maryland's got some players on the on the on the perimeter that you know Joe's going to have to match up with. Hopefully, he can get that job done. But Greg, this 25 minutes or so, as always, has flown by. I believe Lola needs some peanut butter and a walk. You might need some peanut butter and a walk as well. Uh, it was good chatting with you once again on the Blue White breakdown. And if all goes according to plan on Thursday, it'll be Dave Jones and I maybe given some predictions about Penn State's game with Maryland on Saturday.